Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to uh, NJSBA's podcast program, Conversations on uh, New Jersey Education. Uh, this is school audition. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, the, finding the right mass policy for your school district, uh, which is coming up on March 7th. Uh, before we get started, though, I'll tell you how you can participate in this. Uh, you can dial one 531 9557 and you can just listen and if you have a question uh, and you're uh, listening you just press the number one and that'll put a flag up there and Robin who's monitoring our um, Robin who's monitoring our uh, chat uh, our uh, switchboard will get your name and your question and, and then we will bring you up or you can just log into uh, uh, listen online and log into our chat room you have to log in with blog talk radio but there's no fee for that uh, and, and as I said before, we'll be discussing finding the right mass policy for your school district. With me is Adam Weiss. Adam is with the, uh, the Bush Law Group, and I'll have him in, talk a little bit about that group. Uh, I think this is an important topic, and it's timely. So welcome, Adam. How are you? Thank you, Ray. Good, good morning to you. Um, well, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to be here today and to, to speak with your listeners. Okay. Um, so we're talking about... Um, Mass uh, in school, and on March 7th, uh, the executive order will be lifted, and districts will have a decision to make. Uh, that's less than two weeks away. Um, and so, as we discussed this, we're not telling districts what decision to make. I, I should make that clear. They can do it, you know, they can make what the decision they think is right for their uh, school district. So, I just want to put that out there in the, uh, in the beginning here. Um, so, uh, and I think most districts, I know they're leaning one way or the other, but what leeway do they have in the decision on, on mass? Is there any restrictions in the school? Sure. So um, on and after March 7th, school districts will have the option to either continue to require masks or to make the use of masks optional. The decision is up to each school district. Despite that, uh, in view of federal directives that apply to school buses, passengers on school buses must continue to wear masks at least for the foreseeable future until that changes. Um, on February 22nd, which is just you know, two days ago, the New Jersey Department of Health issued guidance for school districts, which includes the use of masks. Specifically, the Department of Health recommends that schools that do not have a universal masking policy require, nevertheless require masks during certain uh, situations. The first situation would be during periods of elevated community transmission, and that's measured by or, or kind of indicated by the COVID-19 activity level index, which is also referred to as the Cali index. Um, and with regard to the recommendations from the Department of Health, the recommendation is that um, if there's a Cali score of high, which is um, signif or, or, or coded by an orange level, um, schools should strongly consider universal masking for all students and staff, especially if there's difficulty in incorporating other layered prevention strategies like um, ventilation, uh, social distancing, spacing of students, etc. Additionally, the Department of Health 
recommends masking occur when there's a Cali index uh, score of very high, which is also known as the red level. Um, and in addition to that, um, during outbreaks or otherwise general increases in cases, schools are directed or guided or advised to consult with local health departments with regard to whether or not short-term universal masking or more of a hyper-local focus, uh, masking in affected classrooms should be utilized and required in order to control uh, the outbreak. Additionally, this new guidance that just came out from the Department of Health suggests um, masking when um, students or staff are returning from isolation, or um, that is during days six through 10 of isolation or quarantine. Also, when there's an illness that occurs in the school, um, students or staff who become ill with symptoms that are consistent with COVID while in, physically present in the school building, uh, the recommendation is that those individuals should also wear masks until they leave the school facility or the school premises. Um, furthermore, any students that are participating in the Test to Stay program, um, per the guidance that was issued on the 22nd from the New Jersey Department of Health, those uh, individuals should also, again, this is, this is guidance, uh, should uh, wear masks as well. Right, and I just want to be clear, uh, that's, you use the word guidance, but it's not a mandate or anything to that effect. Cor correct. That's correct. It's the um, Department of Health guidance that was issued on February 22nd. Again, these are recommendations. They're not necessarily requirements. Um, and I probably neglected to do this in the beginning. Uh, you know, Adam's with the, the Bush Law Group, and uh, I don't know how many counties that you're in now, but you can tell me. You probably have districts that are going in both directions on this. Yeah, great. We represent uh, school districts throughout New Jersey. I believe at this point we're in, we are in 19 of New Jersey's 21 counties. Um, our southernmost uh, districts, well, actually, uh, I think we're now in 20 uh, counties, but our southernmost that I work with uh, is in Cape May County, and our northernmost is in Sussex County. So we are literally top to bottom and everywhere in between. And with that, um, you know, comes along the, the various positions that different counties and, and municipalities and residents have, uh, which, which vary you know, quite drastically from top to bottom of the state. And so, um, you know, our role as board attorneys is more of an advisory role. We certainly don't tell districts what to do, uh, but we do give them uh, kind of, if you will, the lane markers of what is, you know, supposed to happen, recommended to happen, et cetera. But we are seeing, you know, throughout the state, some, some variations we've seen throughout the, uh, the two years or so that we've been dealing with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. As the districts make these policy changes uh, uh, in terms of the, the, the mask, um, 
obviously they'll probably consult their attorney as we talked. And you even mentioned the health, the local health officials. Uh, is there anyone else, like the insurance carrier or anything else, anyone else that they should maybe consult with as they move forward in this area? That's a great question. And quite frankly, I'm a big believer in consultation and communication with all stakeholders before any decisions are made to the extent possible. Um, and, and those stakeholders that I suggest uh, be consulted are the school physician, uh, your local and county health departments, board council, of course. Um, if districts have risk management consultants, they too should be um, consulted, as well as the board's insurance carriers. Um, none of them you know, are required to be consulted, but certainly in order to ensure that there is a um, the best possible policy or approach is, is implemented, it's certainly strongly recommended that those individuals uh, be consulted prior to uh, any policies or directives being issued by the districts. All right, and uh, as districts, and you kind of mentioned some of the data that they should be aware of uh, if they're going to change, you know, even locally, actually, you said it as small as a classroom. Is there any data they should be aware of, be looking at uh, when they make this decision? Sure. To the extent that um, districts are, are going to be doing some contact tracing, obviously that's, uh, that is a hyper-local uh, view. But in addition to that, the best data seems to be contained in that COVID-19 activity level index, also known as the Cali index, which gives a region-by-region region snapshot throughout the state. Additionally, uh, it, I've recommended that district consult the New Jersey COVID-19 dashboard, which is at www.nj.gov. And any other data that may be available from municipal and county health departments. And we've seen throughout the course of this pandemic, uh, we've, we've seen the local health departments, both municipal, city, uh, and county health departments as really an invaluable resource uh, for school districts. And, and really top to bottom of the state, the local uh, health departments really are to be commended in uh, offering guidance that's you know, readily accessible, um, and they really have stepped up to the plate and shown themselves to be terrific uh, partners for school districts. Yes, I would, I would uh, agree with that. Um, you know, it's not just uh, the mass uh, when we start talking. I mean, that's that's what's being lifted, but there's other things that, in terms of policies, that go on in districts and. Um, like quarantining, uh, contact tracing, social distancing, um, vaccinations. Uh, is there um, – should districts include that as part of their policy change as well? Yeah. So first and foremost, you know, we've been dealing with this pandemic for quite a while. And one thing that I've learned, or, or not learned, but one thing that has been demonstrated time and time again as we've kind of navigated this, um, this new and ever-changing space is that there is no substitute for good old-fashioned common sense. Um, it's a good idea to have all policies, directives, guidance, et cetera, vetted by the school physician and or the local health departments 
as well as board counsel when, when appropriate or necessary. Additionally, um, it's certainly useful for board members um, and administrators to communicate with administrators and board members in neighboring towns to try and gather information on what policies and practices uh, may or may not have worked in neighboring communities. Uh, because quite frankly, um, we've found throughout the state that you know, what's going on in neighboring communities is a great barometer as to what could be expected in, in our own. So the, like I said, and I wanna emphasize this point, in the end, there really is no substitute for just common sense. Okay, and um, uh, I heard, um, it was actually, and it wasn't on this topic, uh, but I, I was thinking about the, the reaction of the staff to the, uh, and I don't mean just teachers, I mean everyone, uh, to look into the mask mandate in the school. If a, maybe you, your teachers, or uh, in this case, a, a superintendent said, you know, if they looked at the mask mandate and the, and the buses, he might not have any bus drivers. Um, are there going to be contract issues or at least some things from the, maybe in some uh, districts from the uh, the staff? And how do they deal yeah. with that? Sure. So, you know, the the legal answer would be it depends, right? Um, and and what, I kind of say that in jest. Well, that's that's a that's a very well known uh, answer. <laughs> that, that is, and 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 I hate to get all legal on you, but yeah, it depends is uh, an answer that I give to my, a lot of my clients a lot of times. But what you know, what it depends on is really number one, what the school district is trying to implement, and number two, what any applicable um, agreements, including collective bargaining agreements say and require as part of their terms. But kind of on a macro level here, for the most part, the various associations that represent school staff, um, and I can't score this enough, they have been extremely collaborative and extremely cooperative for the most part. If anything has been learned from this, it's how valuable and dedicated school district staff are and that without teachers and administrators in the buildings and in the classrooms, our students, their families, and our economy suffers. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, we have seen a ton of flexibility here uh, from, from, you know, with regard to contracts. And, you know, although uh, a practice that's being implemented may not fit squarely within the four corners of a collective bargaining agreement, we've seen the associations really go out of their way uh, and quite frankly, outside of their comfort zone to ensure that students receive the proper education in, under the, given the circumstances. Um, and, and you, you know, uh, there's so many, you know, this is almost, it's gonna be two years pretty soon that we've been uh, with this. Um, right. And I think if we've learned anything is that the situation can change, um, and it's always fluid. Uh, should that be communicated as this, these decisions are made? That it's made on the with the data that they have now, but it is subject to change. Is, should that be communicated to everyone? Yeah, and again, one thing that we've learned 
time. And I think we're about, what, two weeks shy of two years. Yep. Um, but one thing that's been learned over these two years is the fluidity of the situation, the ever-changing or what, what felt like ever-changing requirements to mask, to not mask, to social distance six feet, to social distance three feet. Um, everything has changed. And there was a point early on where it felt like it was changing um, weekly, if not uh, more often than that. So I think that districts, boards of education need to be very upfront with um, the stakeholders in the community to let them know that this is constantly changing and that we, you know, time where it felt like guidance was coming out, you know, if not weekly, even closer than that. And we as, as school board attorneys had to kind of wait for the guidance, um, digest it, synthesize it very quickly and then push it out in terms of recommendations to clients. So um, I think that in order to be upfront and just as part of a good public communication regimen, I think that um, districts would be well advised to continue to um, put it out there that anything that we're doing is of course subject to change based upon any guidance directives uh, or orders that are um, issued by local, um, county, and state and federal um, agencies and government uh, governments. Yeah, as I look at this, uh, in, in many ways, this is a communication issue too, <laughs> not just a legal issue yep. as you move forward on this because uh, you have to constantly be communicating with each other on the board, with your attorney, and then with your community and the students, the staff, um, and it seems like the data changes too. Not, not so that makes it a little Absolutely. bit harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, and like you said before, and I think it's important that they communicate uh, some of those guidances from the Department of uh, Health. Um, this uh, and in terms of that communication, I I, I have found that. Um, this has divided many communities, uh, not, not all communities, but in some communities it's been a kind of a, a difficult time. Uh, any hints? Because uh, like you said, you, you, you guys deal with districts all over the place from you know, north to south and large and small. Uh, anything, any hints or that successful practice that have helped uh, ease the community's fears? Because uh, at this point there will be some people, you know, we have some communities where uh, they want the mask off or some community members and some community members who want the mask on. So any hints that you have seen that have been successful in uh, keeping the community uh, at ease? Certainly. Um, one of, the, uh, one of the, the big things that I've seen is uh, districts that uh, really listen and acknowledge their stakeholders' positions, even if the stakeholders' positions are contrary to that which is being implemented, um, the, you can't, can't give that uh, little credit. The, the, the fact that one listens and acknowledges um, another person's opinion about an issue, certainly uh, just from a, a human communi public communication standpoint, certainly um, is, is helpful. Um, additionally, uh, there needs to be uh, flexibility. 
um, with the fluid situation, uh, flexibility in positions um, is really uh, key. The my way or the highway approach uh, to pandemic response really is not a formula for sustained success. Um, healthy debate is certainly encouraged, and I've seen boards change their positions based upon input from the public. So it's important that we have that healthy dialogue. Furthermore, it's certainly helpful to have and rely upon the input of trained and certified medical professionals and objective data. If, you know, if this has taught us anything, it's also taught us that there are many people that have their medical degrees from Google University. <laughs> that, you know, while that's certainly I applaud their efforts in trying to be well-informed, um, at the end of the day, uh, the districts need to put stock in those professionals, whether they be epidemiologists, pub other types of public health officials, medical personnel, those are the folks that we need to listen to, and the objective scientific data is the data that we should be monitoring and following. I just want to reemphasize that, that last point because I think uh, one of the things I've seen is that uh, you can probably find um, online any any information to back the point up that you want. Uh, so is it a point of emphasis to say this is the data that we're using and why we're using this data or this source? Um, because I'm sure people can come up with a, a website that'll or a link that will or any type of article, a blog that will back up their position. Yeah. No matter uh, what and, it is. And my, sure, sure. My advice to my clients has always been we're going to hang our hat on credentialed individuals. Um, and with it, look, within the, the credentialed individuals communities, there's, there's the debate, right? And, and they don't necessarily agree with each other either. And so at the end of the day, if we're looking at objective and if we're, lo if we're hanging our hat on uh, an individual, a medical professional's certification, licensure, years of training, et cetera, um, I am more confident than I would be uh, if I were to perhaps listen to, you know, Aunt Sue, who has an idea that, you know, uh, drinking 10 gallons of water a day is going to fight COVID. Okay. Um, any other thoughts that you would have that uh, maybe a question I haven't brought up that you would, you, uh, that you think you uh, want to touch on? Yeah. You know, look, this pandemic has really brought out the best and the worst of, of our society, in my opinion. Um, in the end, however, to me, it seems that everyone really has only one goal in mind, and that is the health, safety, welfare, and the provision of a comprehensive and well-rounded education for our students. While it may seem cliche, there really is no substitute for empathy, healthy debate, common sense, and civility. Um, and, and as a former Board of Education member who served during the pandemic, as a school law attorney, and as a father of students in public schools, I've seen the challenges that students, parents, and educators have faced, and quite frankly, none of it's been easy. 
But I'm hopeful that the worst of the pandemic is behind us. But nevertheless, we have to be prepared in the event that masking and other safety measures may be necessary in the future. And I'm sure that we have all learned some very valuable lessons that will prove to be useful should our circumstances change again. Yeah, I have to emphasize one of the things uh, as, a, as advice for school board members and administrators is that they do have to stress that they're they're empathetic and also that they care about the kids. Uh, though I know people on different sides think they care more about the kids and it becomes a bone of contention, but showing that you're making right. these decisions with the students and staff in mind uh, in their safety uh, I think it's important, especially if people know it's genuine. That's right. That's right. And, and look, a lot of times uh, over the past two years I've said to people, look, it looks like we're just going to agree to disagree. And that's fine. That's totally fine as long as we are, you know, respectful and civil. Um, when, when we see these uh, school board meetings that are, you know, out of control and, and um, you know, profanity-laced and, uh, you know, threats and all of these other things, that really does nothing other than to take everyone's focus and attention away from running the schools uh, and, and student safety and student success. Uh, you know what? You just brought up one last question for me. Uh, should a board, the, the board president, the superintendent, um, they can't actually have, just have a meeting on it, I mean the whole board, but maybe just plan through their meeting before, when they make this announcement, make sure that they, you know, have that meeting a little planned out in terms of their arguments and their rationale, because um, uh, they know that it's going to be something that the public's going to be want to know about. Oh, a- absolutely, and and not only plan it out, but my suggestion and what I've done with many of my clients is I've kind of, uh, we've, we've done mock board meetings, uh, not, not quite full board meetings, but we've sparred back and forth on, you know, these are the types of questions that you're going to get. These are the types of answers that you may want to, you know, depending on the district, which in whichever direction the district wanted to go in, you know, we would kind of plan out uh, just so that we presented a cogent um, statement or argument, um, absolutely, uh, these things should be planned out before they're rolled out um, to try and, you know, even to someone can poke holes in it before it's even rolled out so that you could um, ensure that your position is, is, is strong and the best position for your specific district. So um, I, I've, I've played devil's advocate more times than I can count over the past two years. Yeah, and I, I think that would make sense. In this. First of all, it makes you analyze your own position, I think, a little bit more. If someone's questioning every, everything, it probably makes you think about whether your position is correct or not. Uh, so it makes it a more well-thought-out policy in and of itself. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and I think that's a good piece of advice. Uh, thank you. Um, any other final thoughts? No, I, again, this is a difficult time. We don't know where this is headed, but we know where we've been. 
and we know that currently we're, we're getting a reprieve or a little bit of a breather. Hopefully the breather lasts a long time and the worst is behind us. But we, we can't, you know, look at everything through rose-colored lenses. Um, this, uh, this pandemic is you know, perhaps uh, changing shape a little bit. Um, I hope for the better and for the positive. But we, we've been through the ringer, and we, we kind of know what we're up against. And so uh, in, in knowing what the worst-case scenario is or could be, it makes it a little easier to plan um, ahead. Uh, for what may be. Okay. I'd like to thank uh, Adam Weiss from the Bushwall Group for joining me on this discussion and trying to find the, the process for finding the right mass policy for your district. I know uh, many districts are having those debates right now. Uh, many have already made their decision, but others are probably still looking at the data. And I think there are a couple of things that you should, if you took anything out of this, is the that this is a fluid situation. So the decision you make on for March 7th may not be the same uh, decision that you have on April 7th. Uh, hopefully things will be reduced so those that have the mass, maintain the mass policy, maybe they feel they can uh, make it optional or the, the, the opposite can also happen. So we wish you luck in this decision. We hope your community is behind you. Um, and, uh, and I know New Jersey School Board Association will be putting out information to help you make those decisions as you move forward on this. So uh, that brings us uh, to the close of this uh, podcast. And as I said, I'd like to thank Adam Weiss because uh, you really did uh, bring a good, calm um, uh, demeanor to this and a, a very rational arguments. So thank you. Great. And I thank you, Ray. Um, and uh, I wish all school boards uh, only success as we, we continue to navigate through this. Okay. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. And I hope you all enjoyed it.